Hello, I'm Dr. Shantae, and welcome to the 100th episode of Believe It Bigger Podcast. Lord have mercy. I feel like I need to sing that song. I'm coming up on the rough side of the mountain. I'm coming up, man. It has been a rough side of the mountain, but man, this is a momentous occasion. A hundred episodes. Some of you have listened to all 100 and you know we have come from a mighty long ways, but I am so grateful for you and so blessed to be able to reach this milestone. It is a big deal. It's a very big deal. And I'm just thanking God for it. So here we are, the hundredth episode, and we have come to the end, the exciting conclusion of the saga with Job, the Job series. And this episode is called When God Answers. You better be ready. Okay, so here we are going to start our guiding thought at Job 38 verses 1 through 2. And it says, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, some versions say out of the whirlwind. And he said, Who is this that darkens my plan with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. So here's the thing, folks. Job been doing a lot of moaning and groaning and wanting for these many, many chapters. His friends then came in and gave bad advice. And actually, we usually only talk about Job's three friends, but actually there was a fourth friend, Elihu. And Elihu was the youngest one out of the bunch, and he the one came in there talking sense. And so after Elihu comes in and, and talks some sense and humbles all of them, then Job makes a final appeal to God, and God finally answers and says, Who is this that darkens my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. In other words, God says, square up, square up, because it's about to go down. So here's what we're going to be talking about in this episode when God answers. Number one, who going to check me, boo? God makes it abundantly clear why he is not the one to be trifled with. (laughs) Number two, exercise humility. And number three, my bad, Job is, is certainly humbled through this experience. So let's start with who gonna check me, boo? So essentially, and I love, like when I said you can't love God in pieces, but like my favorite God is like gangster God. Like God is so gangster. He's just such a G all throughout the Old Testament, right? Like Jesus is all full of grace and mercy and forgiveness and love, but Old Testament God, I mean, that's like the original OG, right? So basically, he says, since you got so much to say, say it to my face. And so God appears to Job out of a whirlwind. He spoke to him out of a whirlwind. Sorry, didn't appear. He spoke to him. In chapter 40, God starts going in on Job. I mean, going in on him. It starts in chapter 38, and it goes all the way to to the end of the book. And in chapter 40, God says, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. He says, so if you want to fight with me, are you going to try to correct me? Because I know everything. So you have an answer. Let me ask you some questions. 
He says again, brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. He said, will you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? In other words, all throughout this, even though Job never said that God is bogus for doing this to me, he's just in an emotional state. He's questioning the value of his life. He's wondering why God would choose him out of all the other people that he could have chosen. And he says, will you discredit my justice? Who are you to say who I should and should not allow to go through? Who are you to tell me what is just and what is not just? He said, will you condemn me to justify yourself? In other words, are you going to try to throw me under the bus to try to make yourself look righteous? He goes on to say, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? God says, let, let me take you all the way back. Okay, to the foundation of the earth. He said, were you there? When I created the heavens and the earth, the sun, the moon, and the stars, where were you? He said, when I stretched out its measurements, so when I decided how big the earth was going to be and what was going to be the measuring line between it, what we now know as the equator, he said, where were you? He said, who marked off the dimensions? Who created that? Surely you must know. He says, you, since you know everything, you tell me. He asked Job, have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? When did you tell the sun when to get up? When have you given orders to the morning or to the dawn? Where were you? Throughout these chapters, 38 all the way through 42, God asked Job a series of impossible questions impossible questions that no man can answer. Couldn't answer them then and we can't answer them now. He confronts Job and challenges his audacity to question him. He exerts his authority by referencing his command over the earth and he makes Job realize his limitations. Believers, when the Bible says that he is the beginning and the end, the first and the last, Believers, all you know is what you know. That's it. All you know is what you know. And let me put this, this little bee in your bonnet. All you know is what you know, and all you know is what he has allowed you to know. Everything that you, that is in your scope, okay? Everything that is under your, your power, quote unquote, everything that is within your, your influence, is only what God allows. You are part of his plan, not the other way around. And so in these chapters, he's allowing Job to realize his limitations. God didn't just create the world. He ordered it. He ordered it. The sun and the moon rise at his say-so. The waters roar and the wind blows at his say-so. Isaiah 40, 28 says there is no searching of his understanding. And oftentimes we, like Job, speak with words without knowledge. The first thing that, that he says to Job is he says, who is this talking without knowledge? He said, who is this speaking out of ignorance? He said, you don't know what my plan is. And you sitting up here just running off at the trap. 
And even if you don't say these things out loud, believers, you know, the, the, the things that you think and the things that you feel and you feel in some kind of way about God, God comes out of the whirlwind and says, who are you to question me? You wouldn't have what you have if I didn't allow you to have it. Who are you coming in on, on a, a piece of the story and not knowing all the facts? And think about how often that has happened to us. When somebody who don't know the whole story come in out of nowhere, giving their opinion like they know what's going on, and they ain't even got all the pieces together. Like they didn't put two nickels together and came out with a penny. It's like, wait a minute. You don't have all the facts. And so God is saying, who going to check me? Who going to check me, boo? Which brings us to a need to know basis. Listen, believers, we don't need to know everything that God knows. We don't know and we don't need to know because he knows. Why is this happening to me? We don't know. But you know who knows? God knows. What we feel is a desperate desire for understanding. Because when we're going through things, we just want to understand. And that comes from an emotional place because we just want peace of mind. We want to feel better. When we're going through some things, it's coming from our emotions, okay? Because if we truly, truly trusted God, rested in God, had God's peace, we wouldn't worry about it. The Bible says so many times, don't worry, don't be anxious, don't worry, don't be anxious. And the thing is, is that when we're going through 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. You don't have to know all the details. You don't have to know what all the plan is. You don't have to know, well, when is he going to this? And how come he allowed that? And how come this? And how come that? In the, in the old church, they used to say, you know, we'll understand it better by and by. Believers, I want you to think about a time in your life where when you were going through, you did not understand why God allowed it to happen or why God allowed you to lose something or why God allowed you to lose someone or why God didn't let you get that job or how come he allowed this situation to happen. And then fast forward a couple of years, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and you were like, oh, yeah, look at God. God sure did dodge a bullet there. Or man, God knew that's just what I needed in order for me to get to this position. Or if God hadn't allowed this to happen, then I wouldn't be in this place right here. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, be anxious for nothing. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When you are feeling anxiety, that is antithetical to what God wants you to feel. He says, you don't have to be. You don't have to be. You don't have to be wound up. You don't have to be keyed up. He says, I know the whole story. Think about this. Think about this from a, a movie perspective. I remember, so I'm going to take you back. There was a movie called Crash. Crash is one of the best, oh my gosh, it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Best movies I've ever seen. And there's a scene where there's a little girl that goes flying out of the house because someone pulled a gun on her dad. And so she thought she had on a super cape and she came flying out the door like he doesn't have his magic cape. I'm going to run out and protect him. So she goes flying out the door. Her dad has a gun in his face and the man that has the gun in his face pulls the trigger right when his daughter came up to him. And I remember everybody in the theater was like, oh, oh, God. I mean, that was a heart wrenching moment because we just knew that baby had got shot. But thanks be to God, 
the gun was full of blanks. But the point is, is that can you imagine being in the movie theater as the writer of the film, as the director of the film? You already know what's going to happen. Everybody in the movie theater is like, (gasps) and you in there like, yeah, you just in there chilling because you already know the story. Everybody in the theater don't know, but you was the director know, you was the writer know, and that's how it is. This isn't a movie. I understand this is real life. But the thing is, we sitting up there in the movie of our lives like, oh, oh, oh my gosh, what's going on? I mean, we fall into pieces. And God is sitting in the theater like, oh, just wait. Three years from now, she going to be shouting hallelujah about this moment. You just, just wait. He knows. He knows the story. So that's why he says, my grace is sufficient for you. That's why he says, the peace of God will surpass all understanding. Because even though you don't understand it in that moment, he says, I wrote this story. I know how this chapter ends. I promise you, it's all good. It's all good, y'all. Which brings us to exercising humility. There are a handful of gangster lines in the Bible. And I'm telling you, this is right up there. This is right up there as one of the most gangster lines in the Bible. I told you, God is being such a G in these chapters. And so in Job chapter 41, verse 11, he says, Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. God says, hold up, who gave to me that I owe you? What did you give to me first that I owe you something? If it wasn't for me, it wouldn't be no you. He said, who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Believers, brothers and sisters, God does not owe us. Think about it. We are on his turf. We're on his turf. We are his creation. We were created for his glory. We own nothing. We are leasing blessings. That car <laughs> that's in the in the driveway, that's a lease blessing. That's a lease blessing. I, I own that. I ain't leasing no car. I pay a note every month. Or, well, my car is paid off. Well, what happens if something happens to your health and you can't drive it? You own a leased blessing. Okay, we lease in blessings. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, and everything give thanks. Why? Because gratitude is what makes room for abundance. I know we think it's hard work, but it's gratitude that makes room for abundance. Because when we thank God for the ability to move and breathe and have our being and the ability to drive the car and the ability to be able to walk into our jobs and into our homes on our own strength, clothed in our quote-unquote right mind that's all God's doing he said who has first given to me that I should repay them he says I don't owe anybody anything because everything in this joint is mine period point blank you know how like the old school parents used to say I brought you in this world I take you out pretty much is that that is exactly (laughs) what God is saying in in this verse he's like Not only did I bring you in this world, I own the world. So I brought you in. You live and move on my say-so. And so exercising humility, our response to suffering really depends on your perspective. I've asked this question so many times in this podcast, and I'm going to ask you again. 
who is God to you? Really? Because it doesn't matter what you say, okay? You find out who God really is to you in your moments of suffering. Because when everything is is everything, when the bills are paid, when the kids are healthy, when the husband, the wife is acting right, and, and you got it all going on, and you haven't suffered any losses, the, you don't know who God is to you in those moments. Because everything is hallelujah. But go through some things. Go through some losses. And ask yourself again, who was God to you? Is he truly your sovereign? Meaning, do you understand that he does have absolute power? Or is he a genie in the bottle? Some people treat God like that. Lord, I call you when I need you. When I want something, I'll come holler at you. When I want something, I'll go back to church. Do you think he's a loving father? And if you think he's a loving father, then how do you think a loving father responds to his child when they're going through suffering? For those of you that have children, think about when your baby is suffering. And sometimes in our case, we can't do anything about it, but God always can. And so your response to suffering depends on your perspective. And so not only who is God to you, but it's also your belief in God's love, your faith in his omniscience, meaning he knows the whole story. To to be omniscient means to know everything. If you believe that he's the alpha and the omega, that means that he has the first word and the last word. How many times have we heard testimonies from people where the doctor said one thing, but God says something else? God has the last say so. You know, grief is the price that we pay for love. There's a minister at my church that says that all the time. Grief is the price that we pay for love. And it's okay to grieve. God grieves. You don't think God is up there grieving over, I kid you not, When I think about some of the things that have happened in the news this week, I mean, things that have happened to children, things that have happened to to young women, the the way that we treat one another about the lack of justice in this country. I sometimes I think to myself, I'm thinking to myself, God, why did you make us (laughs) like, man, we it's it's rough out here. It is rough in these streets. So don't think that God doesn't grieve. When God flooded the earth, so so way back, okay, we talking about Noah in the ark. The Bible says that God was grieved. He said, I regret that I made man. I suspect he probably feels that way right now. But because of Jesus, hallelujah, because of grace, he said, I'm not going to flood the earth no more. I got a better idea. And he brought the plan of salvation. So in our suffering, we must never forget who God is. And how much he loves us. How much does he love us? Say it with me. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves us so much that he gave his only son for us so that we don't perish, so that we don't go to hell. So when you are going through your suffering and you're thinking that God doesn't care, God doesn't give a good God dog about you, that's not the truth. That's a lie from the pit of hell. He cares. He cares. He knows. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't left you out there on the doorstep somewhere suffering because he got so many other things to do and he got so many other kids. No, he knows exactly what your situation is. Why? Because go back to the first episode in the series. He allowed it. Nothing happens to you that doesn't happen on his watch. You're on his watch, which brings us to my bad. So after God checked Job extra, extra hard in an extra, extra gangster manner, 
In chapter 42, Job answers, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Let's stop right there. Woo, Jesus, that's a shout moment right there. He says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. You know what that means, believers? If God can do all things, that means he can do something about your situation right now. He can do all things, which means he can do something and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. You know what that means? That whatever the enemy has divined to discourage you, no purpose of God can be thwarted, which means the enemy can give it his best shot. Satan can give you his best shot. And if it is God's purpose that you will survive and that you will thrive and that you will overcome and that you will conquer and that your latter days will be better than your former days, there is nothing that anybody, anyone, even Satan can do about it. That's a shout moment right there. And then Job goes on to say, who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job had a moment of clarity. He said, you know what? <laughs> After I got chewed out, <laughs> th th thank, you for, thank you for that, okay? You know how sometimes in the movies or in television shows when somebody is like going through hysterics and then somebody just come along and slap them? And then they calmed down. They were like, thank you. I needed that. That's essentially what happened here. God came along and just slapped him and said, look, get it together, man. And Job came back to himself. And so oftentimes, believers, we speak out of turn about things that we have truly little knowledge of. And this does not help our case. And so, believers, only you know what you have said about your suffering. Only you know what you have said about God and how you felt towards him or any anger or animosity. And I'm going to encourage you in your own time to just repent about it. Just ask God's forgiveness and recognize his authority. He can do all things, which means he can do something about your situation. And because he loves you, he's going to. Restoration is part of the plan. Restoration is part of the plan. The Bible says, and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends, because after God went in on Job, God went in on Job's three friends. Like, y'all need to go and burn some sacrifices because I'm two minutes off of y'all too. Okay. So it says the Lord restored his fortunes. And after he had prayed for himself and his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, four generations. And Job died an old man and full of days. Believers, just because you're going through right now does not mean that's the end of your story. You know, they say, don't put a, a, a comma where God puts a period. And well, I'm going to say in the reverse, don't put a period, okay, where God has a dot, dot, dot. That's called an ellipsis, okay? It means to be continued. Your story is continued. How do I know? Because you listening to this podcast. If you're not under the ground, six feet under, that means that God's purpose for you has not yet been accomplished. And what did Job say? That no purpose of God can be thwarted. 
And so believer, if you're going through, I know it doesn't feel good right now, but God's purpose has not yet been accomplished in you. And so restoration is part of the plan. Believers, your suffering is not arbitrary. It's not. It's not willy nilly. James 1.12 says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. There's a, a pot of gold at the end of this, okay, rainbow. He says, you, when you endure trials, when you endure suffering, when you have stood the tef, test, there's a crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who loved him. Promise meaning that God is a man that cannot lie. And your suffering is not permanent. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Believers, we are in a divine battle. That's just the bottom line. We are in a divine battle. You are drafted. You are a soldier in the army of the Lord. But here's the thing. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning they're not human. They're not flesh and blood. The weapons of our warfare are not human weapons, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. You know, one of the most underutilized weapons that we have is prayer. There's power in prayer because this spiritual battle that we're in, we're not going to be able to take it on with medication. This battle that we're in, we can't, we can't manage it with ibuprofen. We can't manage it because the spiritual battle, these human weapons, our, our human wisdom is not going to cut it. Okay. So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. There is power in the word. There is power in prayer. And here's the thing, folks. So to, to put your mind at ease, because I know that as believers, we go through. The Bible says if we're going to reign with Christ, we're going to suffer with them. I do want to put your mind at ease and know that Satan in the end will get his. So the same Satan that went to God and said, I bet you if you do this to Job, he'll curse you to your face. Revelations 12.10 says, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who have accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Satan has had a good run, <laughs> a good long run, and he's still running, child. He's still running. But in the end, he will be cast down. He's defeated. So the same way we're not fighting for victory, but fighting from victory, Satan is fighting from defeat. He knows it. He knows it. And so his only goal at this point, misery loves what? Company. So his only goal at this point is to try to bring as many people down with him. That's it. So now to my favorite part of pod class on this hundredth episode hearing from our audience reflections takeaway that um that um that i have to say is a takeaway that i believe that every believer knows that god is in control and and i know being honest i be in the way a lot of times and um how can i get the fullness of god while being in the way and especially knowing Satan is going to attack and knowing that how he attacks. But 
hearing the scripture that back, my grace is sufficient. I will never forget this. I heard a minister talking about grace, which helped me to understand grace to another level. And is that the grace is to help you to deal with this, to help you say no to the temptation that's trying to get you from doing the will of God. So knowing that his grace and knowing that throughout this series, uh, that God is always in control. Everything's been set and parameter and he's in control. I know I can make it. And so from that, I said the greatest reflection for me is God is in control and I will make it because he's already know my end and I'm just going to follow him in Jesus name. Amen. <laughs> yes. Believers. God is in control. Believers. Listen, Dr. Shantae goes through, believe that. Okay. Starting this podcast, it just put a, a target on my back, okay? Because it makes me a, a bigger enemy, okay, of of the enemy, okay? The enemy of the, of the enemy. I'm an enemy of the enemy because I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. And I understand, trust me, it's not always easy to get up here on this microphone and go through these things. But I do realize, like Job realized, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. And... What helps me keep my perspective is when they say Jesus keep me near the cross is that I always try to stay close to the cross and recognize that just like Jesus suffered, you know, for others, our suffering is for others. God doesn't waste suffering. God does not waste suffering. And the thing is, is that the blessing that you can be to someone else, because trust me, many of you have gone through and then because you went through fast forward, you've helped somebody else get through. Somebody else get through their struggle. And likewise, I pray that God, if you are going through that, he will send somebody to you to help you get through. Trouble don't last always, believers. And so I hope that you enjoyed this series, this hundredth episode. I'm just so thankful for you all. We are more than halfway through the podcast, podcast season four. If you have questions, takeaways, you know, you can hit me up at Dr. Shante says, and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believing Bigger with Dr. Shante. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to follow Dr. Shante, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Shante Says. Until next time, keep on believing bigger. Believing Bigger.